Welcome, everyone. Okay, so I got an email over the weekend from YouTube that they will allow me to put on stuff. So I added everything. Subscriptions, join this, freaking stickers. I want to see if it actually works. (laughs) So I did an hour and 17 minutes of my show to... play on YouTube that you will watch simultaneously, of course, on Rumble. And then once it ends, it'll only be on Rumble. So I just wanted to check it out and see, is it true? Uh, Because it seems like uh, the conversation that I even had with um, Rumble executive that I spoke to today, which is because um, I, I know the locals guy. And so I was like, Hey, this is happening. It shouldn't be happening. They were, the guy was really nice. And he said, he's going to take a look at it. I told him, we'll see where it is today. Right. And see how that goes. It might've just been a glitch because they're still working on expanding it, of course. So we always keep that, you know, in mind. Right. So we'll be watching, uh, YouTube together, uh, I pre-created it because I'm still not allowed to live stream on YouTube. I just wanted to test the waters, okay? Test the waters. That's all. I wanted to see how it works. And no, it was not Bongino that I was talking to. Um, so I wanted to check to see how um, how it operates, how it is. And then when that portion's over, then we get into like the real delving into stuff. So... Ah, it's going to be on a countdown in about two sixty seconds. It says 60 seconds. So once it does that, we'll go off on that one too. And I'll be showing it, obviously, like I said, on Rumble as well. So let me take off the banner so they don't um, interfere. I'm kind of excited. I hope you guys are. Um, this one is going to show you behind the curtain of Oz. It's quite concise. So we'll elaborate after. And welcome, Wims. To Cleveland. I thought I I have to say that. All right. I just got her, literally grabbed dinner and started my show. I've been working around the clock. So, all right. Let's go. Starting shortly. Shortly means now. Um, I'm not seeing anything yet. Hold on. Let's see. (laughs) Let's see how this works. All right, you guys. So rumble will me, will be my go-to, but you guys can see it here. So I'm on and I have all the stuff, smileys, stickers, joins the whole nine yards. And there's a clue in the title. Hopefully someone gets it. Mm, Still not on. Mm, Is my clock fast? Are they slow? Anybody? There we go. Here we go. (laughs) 
it's that time. Today is April 5th, 2022. It should have been yesterday's show, but hey, whatever, we'll figure it out. Where do we start today? Let's start trying to understand the biggest sham in history, how they control you, and kind of why. So what's the difference between the IMF and the World Bank? Well, if you're confused, uh, don't worry. Everyone is. Even the famed economist John Maynard Keynes, who was the founding father of both institutions, said that he was confused just by their names. IMF and the World Bank are closely linked. So both of them are so close that their headquarters are actually across the street from each other in Washington, D.C. So how did this all start? Well, in New Hampshire, of all places, in July of 1944, 44 different countries got together for the Bretton Woods Conference. Now, the goal of the conference was to agree on a new framework for the international monetary system. This all happened after World War II because they all agreed this world war happened and the system failed and we must propel ourselves into the next era. Kind of like what's going on now. Excellency, are you ready for a new world order? I think, uh, Becky, the, pro the main problem is uh, if you think of the technology, the technology is 21st century 22nd century technology. What is happening in AI, what is happening uh, everywhere really that will really transform and is transforming our lives and also transforming uh, international relations. But I think the, uh, the frame of thinking is still 19th century. I think this is one of the problems that we have in the international system. Where if you look, we are still, it's still about nationalism, it's still about state sovereignty, it's still about use of force or non-use of source, force. And I think this is one of the major, major issues as uh, we try to, uh, to bridge really what is mentally, uh, you know, governing international relations with the 19th century mode of thinking, but at the same time with technology fast, fast ahead of us on the curve. That I think will be a major problem. That's a very interesting perspective. Fred Kemp, your assessment. Um, uh, so, my mentor on issues of world order is Henry Kissinger, so I'll try to channel him, and forgive me, Dr. Kissinger, but his answer would be, what do you mean, no new world order? We have not had a world order yet. Hmm. What we've had is we've had a Western order that was imposed on the world. Did you hear that? A Western order that was imposed on the world. You mean the experiment of a new world order that failed with World War I, that gave rise to Hitler, and then failed with World War II, then failed in the 70s by changing our monetary system, and then failed again with the Cold War. I see. So we tested it. Now we're just going to force it globally, right? And so the first world order in modern times, or somewhat modern times, was four centuries ago with the, with the Treaty of Westphalia, ending a century of conflict, the Thirty Years' War. And it wasn't uh, a great moral thrust. It was just recognizing the world as it was. 
if you look at what we're trying to create right now, uh, where I would say at an inflection point in history, as important as the end of World War I, where we got the effort at world order tragically wrong, uh, we ended up with millions of dead, the Holocaust in World War II. After World War II, we got more right than wrong with the creation of the International Liberal Order and the United Nations and the Bretton Woods uh, uh, system and the European Coal and Steel community, NATO, etc. And then the Soviet Union fell. And then the Cold War, uh, we thought it was the end of history. And we thought that everyone could fit into this system that had been created. And it worked for a while, uh, but not everybody came into it. Uh, but China grew. China uh, certainly uh, took uh, full advantage of being part of the global system. Uh, Russia did not. Russia became more of an outlier. And I think where we are now, and this gets to your question, Becky, of a new world order, is uh, it can go in two directions with the war in Ukraine now being a decisive element. Either the jungle is back, as the historian Bob Kagan talks, and, and that we can go into a darker era, um, or we could go into an era because of the advances of science, advances of technology, that could be one of the most prosperous, promising, progressive, enlightened, moderate, modern eras that we've ever... Dark period of time, you mean, where nations decide to maintain their national identities and sovereignty? Or do we all meld and become a global nation with few that govern the many? But if you were listening carefully, if we don't bend the knee, we choose war or sanctions. That started in 2020. And I think we're in a moment where that's being decided. And I think the importance of the Ukraine issue is that it's a fulcrum for this and how the world manages this and comes out of this is going to have far-reaching consequences that go beyond Ukraine. Thank you. Uh, I wrote a piece in late October saying we're already in World War III. We are already in conflict that extends so far beyond Ukraine, actually, mm -hmm. even within the context of Western Europe, but we've clearly been pretty much at war in space uh, below the surface of the oceans, submarine warfare between superpowers. Uh, I wouldn't even say that this has been happening for at least four years, and it's spilled over into public view on the ground. Well, how's that for a dose of truth right there? Remember, in 2017, I had said we are already in a civilized war. In 2018, I was showing you the signs of where World War III is, and this is just them revamping old ideas to try to push you their way. They're smarter, so they make decisions for you. Kind of like the way Churchill, St Stalin, and Roosevelt got together and said, oh, look, Korea, let's split it in half. And then they said, two two officers who had no idea what Korea is about and just separated it without asking the Koreans at all. And here is where they are now again, making decisions for us. And how are they doing it? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Trade policies, unstable currencies. So after three weeks of being in New Hampshire and heated negotiations, especially between Bretton Woods, uh, between Keynes and the rest of them, um, Keynes and um, it was Keynes um, um, at the Bretton Woods conference, it was between 
Keynes and um, who was obviously representing the crown and Harry Dexter White, who was the uh, U.S. Treasury rep. They finally came to an agreement, the crown in the U.S. And the agreement created the IMF and the International Bank of Reconstruction and Development that is now known as World Bank. It's the same thing. But both of these institutions had different and distinct roles. The IMF's job was to oversee a system of fixed exchange rates, which tied the value of a country's currency to the U.S. dollar, which was at that time pegged to gold. Now, I want you guys to understand that the IMF itself created the first crypto-type currency. It was a digital fiat currency. There's no actual paper money. And uh, the SDR clearly uh, <laughs> trades in debt, uh, which is uh, the country's value, let's say. So just so that you understand, the main purpose of the IMF was to make sure that exchange rates stayed stable to encourage global trade. Now, the IMF was also tasked with providing short-term loans to countries that were struggling to pay their debts. Now, one might say, what kind of debts would a country have? I mean, how do they have debts? Um, how does a nation have a debt? And this is where we're going to, you know, kind of dip our toes into that uh, vast ocean of deep state financial shenanigans. I had made mention uh, a couple weeks ago in regards to the debt that Uruguay was and Paraguay were trying to obtain from Venezuela. Uh, and I made that example based on, uh, you know, that guy for the Clintons that ran away from Venezuela with all this money, ended up doing all her you know, funding her campaign and being in charge of uh, fetal parts. Anyway, I digress. So basically, the IMF was supposedly just to oversee some fixed exchange rates. Everyone had their own currencies, but we had to have kind of a um, a way to understand the power of each uh, currency. So. The, the franc, the lira at the time, the, the dollar, the yen, the ruble, right? All of these things had to be regulated. So, you know, if you were traveling and you were going to play, play, pay with francs, uh, you knew that you would get, I don't know, 100 francs for each dollar. And people that used francs knew that for every 100 francs, they would get a dollar. It had to be the same everywhere you went, not saying 100 to 100, but it had to be something that everyone shared. Um, now, the World Bank, um, which was called the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, was created to give financial assistance to countries, uh, mainly in Europe, that was needed to build after the war. Uh, as I mentioned, I think uh, a week or two ago, 5% of that money went to the CIA, which is weird, but that's another story. Now, the roles of both the IMF and the World Bank have changed a lot since that conference in that hotel 
1944. Which, by the way, the IMF and the World Bank, uh, now known as the World World Bank, right, um, uh, <laughs> were actually founded in December twenty seventh, um, nineteen forty five, is when they were completed. Uh, now, in nineteen seventy one, we know that Nixon unpegged the U.S. dollar from gold. And this was done in order to dissolve the fixed exchange rate system that the IMF kind of oversaw. Uh, so the IMF no longer um, regulated currencies, but it regulated exclusively debt. And so this is why the IMF is considered, oh, we, we fight financial crises in the world. In actual fact, they make a lot of money companies, or, or shall I say corporations, uh, shall I say nations that identify as corporations, um, and global companies today, they make money off of financial crises around the world. And I'll explain to you how they do it. So basically, uh, it is said that the IMF keeps tabs on the global economy and puts economic policies in place to all nations that are members. Now, while it does that, helping fighting, uh, helping to fight these uh, alleged financial crises, we have the World Bank that supposedly promotes efforts in developing and reducing poverty. So we have two of them, one that comes in to save the day when you have a financial crisis and another one that come, also comes in to save the day uh, to reduce poverty? Weird. Because the World Bank provides funding and resources and projects in some of the poorest countries, apparently, right? Both institutions have 189 member countries as of 2017, but the IMF actually has about 2,700 employees, whereas the World Bank, and, and this is with numbers from 2017, and the World Bank has, you know, over 10,000. and. Just so you know, the IMF, how are they funded? Well, they're funded mainly by subscription fees from other member countries and quotas. So we pay a subscription fee. Interesting. In fact, the IMF receives over $675 billion in quotas with Germany, China, Japan and the U.S. contributing most of that. Wonder where your federal tax dollars go? Remember how we asked them, hey, where does our money go with this CARES Act? You know, that you were giving away all this money and putting them in a nice fund. Um, well, that this is the fund. The World Bank is financed mostly by issuing bonds to global investors. What does that mean? So basically, let's pretend um, in Eritrea, uh, they say, hey, we're going to build a bridge over this river for people to walk over or drive over. And then me um, having a company, I don't know, like Amazon, I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll take that. And I'm like, okay, I'll give you a billion dollars to help that project with the bridges. Now, the IMF, uh, as long as... <laughs> 
The World Bank says, oh, gee, thanks, Amazon. I'll cut you a bond for $1 billion and that will mature in 10 years and you will have a profit of, you know, $50 million, let's say. And all is fine and dandy. But let's pretend that the bridge doesn't work. Well, there's another company from that, and that's called MEGA, and we'll get into that too. So they even have insurance that's funded with your federal tax dollars to ensure that the people that are exploiting countries that are poor and then making them pay that debt. Wait, let me slow down. Eritrea, I invest billion dollars as a company like Amazon, let's pretend, and they cut me a bond and they're like, in 10 years, you're going to get your billion dollars that you purchased at, you know, 50 million less, right? So you're making $50 million. Um, Here you go. And then something happens and you can't build the bridge in Eritrea. Well, uh, I have coverage by MEGA. So MEGA comes in and they're like, yo, Eritrea, you were supposed to do this and you got all this money to do this and you didn't. And then Eritrea owes money, has a debt. The country has a debt. Then the IMF comes in and says, oh, you have a debt. Let me give you a loan. And in exchange for that, you're going to give me your public uh, port and I will then sell it off to the highest bidder to cover if you can't make the money back. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. How nice is that? So basically, you have a conglomerate of companies that exploit nations and sell it to the highest bidder. They're making money off of the citizens of nations, in other words. And this is because they're promoting, of course, prosperity. (laughs) But in actual fact, they're fleecing citizens of taxpayer dollars to invest in places that they know will not be able to make good on those projects and then they give them a loan with your federal tax dollars and every other nation's tax dollars that they can't afford either and then therefore the private companies and or other nations own that collateral that port that land that natural resource that country this is where Puerto Rico would come in, if you catch my drifts. Now, the World Bank, as we said, um, is financed mostly by issuing bonds to global investors. Now, in just 2017, the lending commitments near, were nearly $59 billion, just in 2017. And the IMF committed $160 billion. That's almost three times the amount, almost, under its current lending arrangements. So it issued, right, bonds of $60 billion, but the IMF has come in with three times that amount in loans to rescue the lending commitments. Now, today, uh, in, 20, in 2019, The IMF's biggest borrowers were, get this, Portugal, Pakistan, Ukraine, and Greece. So interesting. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And the World Bank, on the other hand, is running most projects in, get this, Africa and East Asia, of course. Now, one thing that um, the World Bank and the IMF have in common is that they have 
the same components on how they work. See, a lot of people realize that there are a lot of conditions attached to the loans that are never addressed. Uh, to specific economic issues within a country. Like the IMF had come under fire for continuing to bail out Greece, even though the country failed to clean up its finances. And in turn, they took one of the most ancient ports, Piraeus ports, and privatized that. See, that's how they work. Ukraine has zero dollars. The IMF is now laying claim to the natural resources that they have, which is an immense amount of natural gas. Hence, what's really going on in the Russia-Ukraine deal. Now, the IMF and the World Bank say that they promote global economic stability and that they make countries less vulnerable to crises, but it seems like the relationship the pharmaceutical industry has with people. Huh? They make you sick so that you can get medicine, and it's a vicious cycle. The IMF and the World Bank Hand in hand, the World Bank comes in and says, oh, you need more roads. You need new roads. Let me issue some bonds to private investors. Issued. But you fail. And they know you will fail. So then the IMF comes in and says, I'll lend you money to cover your failure. And then you pay back the World Bank. And then you have to pay off that loan or you have to finish the project. And you can't. So then they own you. So that's basically how it works. That's the difference. The difference is is that they complement each other. It's almost like they work for each other. So weird. So weird. Now I'm going to talk to you about their insurance, how they have insurance. Their insurance is called MEGA. MEGA? What's that? Well, that's their form of way of selling insurance to ensure that the private investors that buy the bonds are paid for. They do these, uh, shall I say, risk assessments? (laughs) They don't. See, they're making money no matter which way you turn it. No matter which way you go, they are making money. And they're making money from the private institutions or private corporations or nations that identify as corporations by selling them insurance for their investments. Fascinating. All right, so let's start dispelling some things. First of all, MEGA, right, is insurance. Basically, you apply for multilateral investment guarantee agency. So you don't have risk of breach of contract currency inconvertibility, meaning, oh, the country has sanctions now. Now what do I do? Everything's in rubbles and they're not allowed to trade on the dollar. Help me. Expropriation, war and civil disturbance. Do you lose your money during war? Not if you're a big global company or a nation that identifies as a corporation or anything like that. But for us, our insurance during war or acts of God, whatever that may be, they determine based on case by case, right? You're not covered, but they are. And non-honoring financial obligations, kind of like the example that I gave with Paraguay and Venezuela. So you can actually get coverage and click on the link and then you can apply for help. Uh, You have to provide preliminary application for guarantee, definitive application for guarantee, 
or retrieve or track your application online. So wait a minute. What? So they'll give you a preliminary of how much it is and how much it'll cost you. Again, this is a World Bank company. So the World Bank funds projects, <laughs> gives notes, issues bonds to fund projects. The IMF, which is part of the World Bank too, complimentary, I guess, across the street, of course, right? They come in and they force payment or give loans. So they make money on the failed projects of the World Bank. Then the World Bank has its own MEGA, which is how they ensure that everybody gets their money. Mind you, these are the places where your federal dollars were put into, into the possession of these people. So let's get down to it then. So what is MEGA? Multinational Investment Guarantee Agency. MEGA was established in April of 1988 to supplement the functions of the World Bank and the International Financial um, uh, Center uh, Corporation, sorry, International Financial Corporation. The objective one to encourage the flow of direct foreign investment into its less developed members and countries and to provide insurance cover to investors against political risk. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> Come and invest in this poor country that has nothing, and we will make sure you will get your money because we have the IMF to bully the shit out of them, and then they will own loans, and if they don't pay on it, we will just take their land. See, they provide a guarantee against non-commercial risks like currency transfer danger or war, you know, stuff that you're not covered for. They're covered for. They want countries like the Congo to have Walmart go in there. So Walmart goes in there and says, all right, I'll uh, build as long as you make the bridge. And if they don't make the bridge and I build and no one comes shopping, I'm covered. And we're all covered because we'll make the money back for the bridge too. So we all win. How interesting. Providing guarantee against non-commercial risks. Like those that invested with rubbles are now covered if they're trading in euro. because. They have Miga. You should have like a commercial. Miga. I am your Amiga. And we want to screw over nations and own them. So this is how they operate. They are simply there to function for the World Bank and the International Financial Corporation. You're nothing more than the consumer to be consumed. And this way, they establish credibility of that nation and the project, of course, by providing insurance, you're like, yeah, that's credible. And it provides promotional and advisory services. They advise you on how you should spend your money and which way it would be the best way to spend your money. And they will help with marketing. So more people will enjoy your products and or services. That's just an extra bonus right there. One hand washes the other. Mega. Wow. They even have sponsorships and they put advertisements. You wouldn't believe it, but yet it is so. Take a look yourself. While the world is on fire, they're selling insurance for people to set more. How cool. The world is making great strides in reducing extreme poverty and boosting shared prosperity. 85% of the world population has access to electricity. Access to water has improved. Food production has increased. Cross-border trade is strong. People have access to key services. 
Private sector investors can rightfully claim credit for many of these successes. Foreign direct investment, FDI, is the largest source of external finance for many developing countries, surpassing official development assistance, remittances, and portfolio flows. MEGA has been crucial in helping bring cross-border investors and lenders to developing countries. We currently provide $20 billion in guarantees across the globe. Since its inception, MEGA has issued more than $46 billion in guarantees to international investors and lenders, supporting over 830 projects in 111 countries. Agribusiness, transportation, tourism, manufacturing, telecom, and energy. The outcome of all our collective efforts has been real development impact on the ground. MEGA-supported projects in the last six years alone are expected to create access to power for 53 million people, enable 21 million patient consultations, and prevent 3 million metric tons of greenhouse gases. While governments, investors and lenders and MEGA have achieved much together, the opportunities ahead are immense. As of fiscal year 2017, MEGA's exposure in IDA-eligible countries was $7.5 billion, $1.7 billion in FCS, and $4.2 billion in support of climate change projects. Focus in these areas will increase going forward. Working closely with its partners, MEGA will continue to push the boundaries on how political risk, risk insurance and, and credit, credit enhancements are used to meet development challenges. We have much to be proud of, and we're just getting started. Congratulations, MEGA, on turning 30. You're a young and dynamic institution. And you've been doing a great and impressive job. And I'm sure you will do even better moving forward, especially on supporting each Thank you. In the next five years, we have over $15 billion of uh, infrastructural projects that we are putting out to the market. And we look forward uh, to foreign direct investors, regional and national, working together and winning these uh, tenders uh, and having uh, the World Bank Group support as well as RFIs and specifically the support of MEGA to ensure the success of these projects. So we see our relationship and partnership with MEGA, which has been very successful, uh, as a, an expanding relationship uh, going uh, forward. Les gens pensaient que ce serait difficile de faire un PPP. On l'a fait 40% pour l'État, 100% pour euh, le privé. Et voilà que les choses au départ, euh, les gens pensaient que ce ne serait pas rentable. On a commencé au départ avec 30 000, on est passé à 50 000, 50 000, 100 000, et quelques jours. Thank you to all of our clients and partners across the public and private sectors for working with MEGA to deliver development results all over the world. Here's to many more decades where governments and private investors and MEGA work together to end extreme poverty and boost shared prosperity for everyone in every country, everywhere in the world. Thank you, MEGA staff, all your hard work, commitment, made these things happen to me, creating a lot of impact. I'm very proud of you, what you're really doing. Thank you. I also like to say thank you very much for host government, also donors and private investors make these things happen. Thank you.
Thank you. Nandri. Thank you. Shukriya. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gracias. Thank you. Shukran. Thank you. Nandri. Thank you. We're becoming poor and we're liking it. And we're keeping Africa in the dark. Because they like that too. Except for us. They're making money. They're using our money to make more money from other nations' money that they take in taxes. So you're funding globalization. Every single citizen in every single country is paying for them to sequester power and sequester our nations under one banner. I mean, who needs individuality, right? Nationalism is so barbaric, right? Being individual is so bad, right? We all have to be vanilla. No more 31 flavors. Angry yet? You should. Because in 1944, they kicked off over 22 days thinking of how they were going to fund their ideas. Because remember, people are too stupid to pick their leaders. Don't be daft, Tory. See, they needed your money to make this happen. And those nations that refused to comply, they would just take over or annihilate. For example, Libya, Lebanon, Iraq. Now, your money was one, op- was one way. The other way was hacking your reality. Cue music for Hollywood, entertainment, marketing, and introducing you to the technology that they already had. Remember, the IMF created the first cryptocurrency in 1969. They knew exactly what they were doing, and we're letting them. They are few, and we are many. Not that difficult. But the question is, how do we stop it? That'll be in another segment. For now, in the United States, (laughs) the way we pump the brakes on it globally is by impeaching Barack Hussein Obama, who implemented policies like Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act to get us into where they needed the United States to be with lightning speed. Hillary tried it with Hillary Care, but it was just not the right time. and She wasn't the right candidate. And Brennan did a great job grooming Senator Obama. Uttering reality, of course. Can we get back to normal? I hear that all the time. But it was never normal. Right now, we can create the future we want. It was never normal. It hasn't been normal since you were born. History isn't what they tell you. These few people that you're watching are the governors and the owners of our future because you are allowing them to. They've changed your time, your calendars, your life, your lifestyle, your religions, your Bibles, your perception of reality. And don't take my word for it. Here's George, almost on the verge of sadness when speaking about this. I think human beings live their lives in a storm. And nations live their lives in a storm. And we're gifted with nostalgia. We remember times that never were and long for them. So we are now in a normal 
condition of humans. We love those we love, we hate those we hate, we fight, we make up. Human beings are this thing. But it is the most interesting thing that we remember things that we never ever were. We remember a time where this tension of love and hate didn't exist. We remember a time that if we could only get back to, all would be well. And sometimes we imagine that if I have uh, the internet, that will take me home. But there is no going home, we are at home. And we have to be at peace with where we are. And there is no time that has ever been at peace with the chaos that we're surrounded by. And that's the tragedy of the human condition. And it's greatness. That was heavy. Let's take a quick intermission. All right, so let's jump in. Let's start where we ended. So why the rush? As you saw, he was very emotional. Our weakness is also our greatness. That's what makes humankind so incredible, he says. Well, indeed, that is true. Humans are uh, very easy to manipulate uh, when not taking logic and understanding into consideration that they are sequestering the power to the hands of few, which brings them back to exactly why they rebel every single time. And the rush is, is that people are waking up, that the networking that they wanted to use to enslave us is actually liberating us. And this is why this new order we're entering into. Well, listen to them talk about it. So I find it very difficult to talk about the world order that we're coming into given how very tenuous and unstable the current environment mm. is. In my lifetime, this is the second time that I have seen the superpowers actually threaten the possibility of mm. nuclear war. Mm. Um, it's almost unimaginable to anyone who doesn't remember from last time, who isn't old enough. It's unimaginable from three months ago, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the nature of this conflict that's currently underway, I think is so deeply misunderstood, not framed properly. As a small example, I think the way the Russian side sees this conflict, if you were to take a map of Europe, it would start in uh, Norway and move down through Kaliningrad, through the Slovakia Gap, into Belarus, down the border of Ukraine, to Odessa, to the Russian fleet in the Mediterranean, into Libya, Egypt, where there's an already enormous Russian presence. By the way, one side story, we've been privatizing militia for some years, and we have private armies, both on the American side and the Russian side, that now are fighting all the way down to the southern tip of Africa. That is a very different view than this is just Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And so getting a grip on what is the actual nature of this argument and where is it occurring now let me take you into wonderland at the end of world war ii it ended with a bang with a nuclear bomb and this was sealed with a kiss but one thing that i've been drawing your attention to for a 
a few years is the start agreement and why no one was extending or renegotiating. Why? Because space. And the negotiation was being done by President Trump to mitigate what they had planned. Well, most of the nukes we have are actually in space. And you're going to hear them talk about it. You're going to see just why President Trump did an amazing thing by creating Space Force. Because when they want to drop a nuke on their own people, they're willing to sacrifice you to make sure that they can usher in climate change real quickly with a nuke bomb and eradicate people and claim war must end. Look at all these people that died. (laughs) This is how they do it. But the mitigation is there. Funny thing is, if something explodes in space while being launched in space, then you have it kind of almost like an EMP. And I'll show you that. But first, you have to listen to them tell you it. You have to listen to them tell you, oh, we're warning about this. Listen to us very carefully. We care. Sure you do. Of course you do. George, we were talking earlier because George is writing a book on space warfare. And I was saying we've had so many incidents between the Chinese and the Americans, the Russians and the Americans, Mm. destroying satellites, creating debris fields to try to mess up the other side's satellite capability. Every one of us depends on these satellites to conduct our daily life. But we have outright conflict happening in that space. So when we ask, what is the new world order going to look like? The answer is so much depends on how we handle what's happening now, which we can't even agree upon. In other words, if Russia doesn't comply, we're going to have to nuke them. How will we solve this? Mm. And that will be part of the answer of what will the new order work like. George, I'd love to get your, your thoughts on, on what's going up, on <laughs> away from Mother Earth, as it were. And I know that you, 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 you um, we're very much looking forward to the book that you're writing about uh, um, uh, space warfare. Depending on how we solve the problem now is what this new order will look like. And speaking of space, we must remember... What President Trump did to mitigate all this, because he did. He mitigated everything. And while they poked fun, well, let's remember the the fun that they were poking. Trump wants to start a space force. Space force just announced that he's directed the the United States military to create a sixth branch. A sixth branch of the military governing outer space. We are going to have the Air Force and we are going to have the Space Force. What is the Space Force, force really? To answer that, you have only to look at the U.S. Air Force. Right now, the Air Force is a spaceman handles all military missions in outer space. That includes launching military and GPS satellites and flying missions with the super-secret X-37B space plane. Space Band Band employs more than more than 38,000 people. Trump essentially wants to separate separate that division of the Air Force Force into a sixth military military branch. branch. Space Force Force as the sixth branch. branch. It's similar similar to how the Air Force Force once operated as part of the U.S. Army Army throughout World War II, but became its own branch in 1947. So, so Space Command is less, is less about, about space, space marines, marines and, and more, more about, about protecting, protecting satellites and policing space debris, at least for now. Decades after the first space race between the U.S. and the Soviets, some experts believe space will become the next theater for major armed conflict. Though Trump's order to create a space force may sound official, it's far from a sure thing. 
Creating a new military branch requires approval from Congress. And lawmakers already shot down a proposal to create a space corps last summer. Both the Pentagon and Defense Secretary James Mattis, a member of Trump's own cabinet, were opposed to the idea. We're not weaponizing space. We're dealing with space as it's developing. Well, when they decide to actually drop nuclear weapons, do you think that they're going to drop it on compliant Germany or maybe Africa? they control from day one. See, the only way to get the world to cry like they did before when they ushered in the digital identity so they can speed up the process. You've got to hurt the people that are the most rebellious and the ones that have no clue of what's going on. And that would be the United States. Now, have you ever seen a nuclear explosion in space? It's quite interesting. There's some music, so I'm going to obfuscate that. Therefore, I don't get dings. Uh, and maybe I can find some background music to play on its own. Let's see. Maybe this. There we go. No. Oh, we're not looking to weaponize it. That's right. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting, because it also took out everything else. It was an EMP. If you notice, the radio went. They needed to test how far uh, reach it was. You remember when they were doing all that stuff on the Marshall Islands. Well, uh, let's look further into that so we can see why it's so important. Uh, the actual History Channel did a great job. I am going to find a nice tune to put in the background to scramble a little bit of uh, this. Uh, let's take a listen. Which one do we like? That sounds good. So let's go. The nuclear warhead will detonate high above the Earth's surface. And people on the ground will not feel a thing. Powerful electromagnetic waves destroy electrical circuits. One of the most wired nations in the world will go dark. This plane is especially designed to survive an EMP. It may be one of the only means of communication you, as Commander-in-Chief, will have to your military forces. Hillary? In a matter of months, our 21st century technology-driven world will be catapulted back to a non-electrified time. This is the worst-case scenario, but one that could happen on your watch. With the fate of millions resting in your hands, will you be prepared for the aftermath? make the right decisions, you need to know more about electromagnetic pulses, how they work, the damage they incur, what you should not be scared of, and what you should. To help, to help you separate physics from the fiction is a briefing led by physicist Richard Muller. You're releasing something called this huge energy. A few percent of that energy in the form of camera rays. Camera rays are essentially X-rays that have much, much greater energy. 
take an X-ray, which is maybe 10,000 volts of energy, and instead give it a million volts of energy, and we call it gamma ray. These gamma rays then spread out into the horizon. When the gamma rays hit the atmosphere, they bump into nitrogen and oxygen molecules, knocking off electrons and creating electric current in space. Electrons that's moving through a wire, what we call an electric current. Electrons moving through space are an electric current in space. As this current moves through the Earth's magnetic field, it emits microwaves that strike the surface with an intense surge of power. That's what makes it so damaging, that it's coming in in a very narrow pulse. In less than a billionth of a second, the electrical intensity on Earth's surface becomes so hot, microchips fry, power lines overload, and the electric grid collapses. Everything with microelectronics in it stops. Your car, computer, subway, there's no electricity. If you think about it, if you don't have any electricity, you don't have anything in our infrastructure, do you? Change the game, change the world order. Look around you and imagine what life would be like in a world without power. It's an electronic Armageddon. Electronic Armageddon? More like nuclear. I'll bring this background music to um, allow me the availability to continue play videos without being put down. <laughs> I hope you guys see where I'm going with this. Same playbook. Played over and over and over. They don't even make edits to it anymore. They're exactly. But why change something they know works? It's worked for centuries. To think one of the greatest achievements to safeguard the lives of American people, ways, culture, and history. President Trump created Space Force. He knew. You don't have to be a time traveler to know that, but it kind of helps. Yeah, just a, a great group of other executives are here from the top companies. And it's patriots like you that are the reason why America was first in flight, first to the moon, and why America will always be first in space. You know, before I got here, wasn't looking so good. Before we came in, I will tell you, they didn't have such big plans for space. Now they have plans. And it's great, not only in terms of jobs and everything else, it's great for the psyche of the country. It came up that small business is, is the most optimistic it's ever been in the history of our country. That's pretty good. Now, I don't know if they go back to 1776. I don't know if they go back to, you know, areas of a little bit earlier, slightly, like by 100 years or 200 years. But I will tell you, I have never seen optimism like we have right now. So it's a very exciting time. I want to uh, also say that when it comes to space, too often, for too many years, our dreams of exploration and discovery were really squandered by politics and bureaucracy, and we knocked that out. 
So important for our safety, what you're doing. It's going to be important monetarily and militarily, but so important for right up here, the psyche. We don't want China and Russia and other countries leading us. We've always led. We've gone way far afield for decades now, having to do with our subject today. We're going to be the leader by far. We're behind you a thousand percent. America's vital interests in space lost out to special interests in Washington, except, of course, for the senators and congressmen here. They would never do it. Right, Dana? But all of that is changing. We know that. My administration is reclaiming America's heritage as the world's greatest spacefaring nation. The essence of the American character is to explore new horizons and to tame new frontiers. But our destiny beyond the earth is not only a matter of national identity, but a matter of national security. So important for our military, so important, and people don't talk about it. When it comes to defending America, it is not enough to merely have an American presence in space. We must have American dominance in space. So important. Very importantly, I'm hereby directing the Department of Defense and Pentagon to immediately begin the process necessary to establish a space force as the sixth branch of the armed forces. That's a big statement. We are going to have the Air Force and we are going to have the Space Force, separate but equal. It is going to be something so important. General Dunford, if you would carry that assignment out, I would be very greatly honored also. Where's General Dunford? Got it? Let's go get it, General. But that's the importance that we give it. We're going to have the Space Force. One year ago, I revived the National Space Council and put exactly the right man in charge, and that's our friend, Mike Pence. feels very strongly about this. And in December, I signed a historic directive that will return Americans to the moon for the first time since 1972, if you can believe that. So he mitigated. As I've said before, people like me don't exist. But don't say I didn't tell you. Here it is. I told you in 2019, the Ukraine is the Democrat Party's Hiroshima. And that was published on the 20th of November, 2019. It's important that people understand that people don't read. People don't look. And I was actually quite proud because I said that we found them with their hands in the cookie jar, as you can see. And Ben Garrison uh, made this cartoon after my article. So I updated my article by inserting that later on. So President Trump also told us. What do you think about you really changed my behavior? You know, so the day I came in here, I had problems with holy stuff. Like a phony dossier that I had before. Like false investigations that I think 
a lot of my behavior was shaped by the faces and by the other side. That was a lot of my behavior. So uh, I think in light of all of the things going on, and you know what I mean by that, the things that are going on in the world, the things that are going on in the world, the things that are going on in the world, the things that are going on in the world, the things that are going on in the world, the things I so how do we stop this? I mean, it's no big deal showing the problem and not providing a solution. The way we stop it is by simply saying no and getting rid of them all the minute we put our feet down. Because this man had our back. He created Space Force so Ukraine doesn't turn into Hiroshima for us. Because, make no mistake, they will indeed, they will indeed take out the most unruly. Look at this. You should read this article. It tells you a lot. It tells you everything you need to know. And, well, you know, oops, here's how we go. The president created Space Force to save us from what's to come. The things they talk about, the one thing that we have to pray for is that more people like me that don't exist are possibly ensuring that Space Force carries out what they're supposed to do. Have you ever seen what a nuke looks like in space? Almost like a fishbowl. Found this fantastic video on Atomic Test Channel. Take a look. It's quite fascinating. Looks marvelous, doesn't it? Almost like you've exploded something made of water. Fascinating. And they've already tested the distances needed to ensure that EMPs only affect certain areas and that we have data transmission, communications transmissions go down in certain areas. They've already tested that. They did all those experiments at the Marshall Islands while eliminating a whole population of people. For the greater good, of course. Can you see how far ahead they planned? I'm pretty sure others planned as well. Is that we're in a dangerous world. That events that we don't anticipate may define who we are. That it's very difficult to handle and very dangerous. That the president spoke of getting rid of uh, Putin. Well, many of us spoke of getting rid of Putin. But this is U.S. president. Yes, I understand. Out loud on a public platform. All right. Well, we spoke of getting rid of Hitler and others. So we may have a discussion. The idea that American president speaking about getting rid of a hostile foreign leader is not particularly novel. Of course, the press is shocked. Shocked, I say, to hear such talk. That's not the important thing. It's not important to him. Because it happens all the time. You just don't hear about it. The fact that they so brazenly called for regime change to remove a leader. Well, what if other nations did the same? Would that not be considered an act of war? But while these minds are solving problems for us and telling us how we should live and how humanity must develop the way they envision, 
which obviously gives them full control. You must listen to the way they discount. Outrage of the people. Outrage of the people of the United States of America. Hence why Space Force was so important. It's no big deal, he says. That's right. Because we usually take them out like a whimper in the middle of the night. I believe one African leader that we showed earlier in this show was also taken out. How many of them were eliminated in 2020? How many? The important thing to understand is that the period in which we thought it was no longer dangerous has turned out to be false. Mm. That these dangers are there. And when I talk about space, space is going to be a realm of warfare because everything is a realm of warfare. It's also the realm of security. Mm. So what we really have to understand is that the 20th century's end didn't end danger. That's still there. And the really shocking thing was not that Biden said this about Putin. It's the degree to which there's disbelief that this is happening, Mm. as if this hasn't happened Mm. before. And that disbelief is dangerous because that means nations are not prepared. So Otto von Bismarck said, the art of diplomacy is about giving others ladders to climb down. Giving others ladders to climb down. You mean a way out. You mean a way to backtrack what they said or what they're doing. Nothing can stop what's coming. While, as as you have seen, they planned how to make it happen with your money. They planned how to use that money that they take from you against you globally. They've planned how to bring another Hiroshima in. And obviously, we're going to look to Russia because, you know, Russia's the enemy. When Russia was the one screaming throughout all of Trump's administration, we need to talk about the START agreement. We need to talk about the START agreement. And the START agreement is all about nukes in space. So here is where you see these great minds, where evil resides. These, my friends, are the people that put the shackles on humans. From, from untenable positions. And I fear that the current position of the United States is very much, we can win this, mm. as opposed to we need to find an off-ramp. We need to find an exit. We need to get back to a negotiating table. We may have disagreements, but resolving them in a battlefield is not the right way to do it. And we may have forgotten that art of diplomacy. In other words, President Trump mitigated, and we need to backtrack. Biden, don't think that you're going to make this happen and that the people are going to listen. They're awake, and it will be exactly what you deserve. Yes, Pippa has the right idea. But does this Atlantic Council CEO see it the same way? No. If you seek to be an individual, if you seek uh, your nation's sovereignty, if you seek any of the above, you're a savage. I am also careful, Dr. Gargash, about mm-hmm. this issue of democracy and autocracy. I really think it's the forces of civilization and the forces mm-hmm. of the jungle, it's forces of moderation and forces of backwardness. And Their time is up. Nothing's changed from 1944, from the 1800s until today. It's still the few making the decisions for many, and that's because they took advantage of the expansion of communications. Oh. 
that goes both ways. We have the same access to communications now. Therefore, we can actually stop them this time. The new order or the new world or the world that we envision will happen on our terms. See you on Rumble. We didn't start the fire, but we are the fire starters today. And I wanted to apologize for the <laughs> audio because today is a very important episode and I wanted to keep it up there. And I tried to keep it like tin cannish. So that way it will survive on YouTube. I want as many people to see that no matter how excruciating the audio is, the information is what's important. Now, I wanted to say something about that song. Oh, you know, maybe I have that video. I think I do. Whoa, on Locals, we streamed it. So when I was in Louisiana, we went to karaoke. I had an amazing time. I really wish everyone from Louisiana was there. We would have just blocked out the whole place. But I wanted everyone to sing We Didn't Start the Fire. Obviously, I did, you know, I have polyps on my vocal cords. So, obviously, the next day, I couldn't sleep at all. But um, <laughs> I was screaming. I, <laughs> we're <laughs> Epstein, Maxwell, Joe Biden, Obamagate. So, I came up with an idea. And we're currently rewriting those lyrics. And what we want to do is every single state group and country group to record them singing that song with the new words, right? And we will make a video where it has the lyrics updated. We'll use old stuff. You see how old this has been going on for eons, hasn't it? And, um, and we're going to put it out. I guarantee you it'll go viral. And it'll be just us people. No special, you know, persons, no influencers, because we are the fucking influencers. Nobody else is, okay? Nobody else is. We are the influencers. They are not. Now, let me express to you without reserve exactly what I was telling you in that video. For years now on air, I've been explaining to you where the war centered World War III. I've said it a couple times. I showed you where all the mitigation was going. And they tell you themselves what they're going to do. I educated you in order to understand how they test weapons, you know, eradicating populations like people of the Marshall Islands, because they wanted to test how far, uh, you know, does this go? How, where can we, you know, drop it and we just get an EMP in a very specified area, specifics, right, to the, to, to the inch, how long will that area not be usable? There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Because like I said in that video in 1944, 44 countries got together. They spent 20 days in that hotel in New Hampshire. 22 days to be exact. And they made decisions for the rest of the world. They decided after the nuclear bombs... Right? It's always a nuclear bomb, isn't it? 
that they needed to change, that they needed all to come to the table and agree. And the only way that this would work is by um, making everyone part of a global government. And they have been pushing at it. And this is why they left Africa in the dark. Too many people, too big of a property. <laughs> Africa is massive. So the only way to keep it controllable is by keeping Africa in the dark. <laughs> Don't give them internet. Nigeria got internet in 2004, you guys. 2004. Okay. There's places without power and running water. And you would say, why? Here we are throwing food away. Ah. Now, here was the plan. Here's what we're going to do. It's almost like I was there. We're going to fix the economy like this because we need money to get this going. We need to push this. So how do we create the infrastructure? How do we control the flow of the money? Well, we create funds and then we'll negotiate. We all buy in and, and we negotiate and we all stay strong together. We'll still be independent over our territories, but we all subscribe to the same idea. All right. So we need a lot of money for this. I mean, how do we block people from going to Africa? Don't worry about it. We got it. How do we block money or someone? You know, what if what if a little guy decides that he's going to start a power company and put out solar panels all over the Sahara? We're fucked. What do we do? Don't worry. Here's what we're doing. We're going to tax them. And we're going to use the tax dollars and put it into a world bank. Because remember, Chuck Grassley's letter told us that they put it exactly in the places that I told you. It went to MEGA, the insurance of the World Bank, the World Bank, a.k.a. the infrastructure bullshit, right? It went to the World Bank itself. It went to the IMF. It went to the Asia Fund. It went to this fund. It went to them. They're the ones holding all the chips. <laughs> While people say it's BlackRock, BlackRock is just the one distributing the profits, okay? If you know their name, they're not that important. But Tori, we know the names of these companies. Well, how are you going to touch them? Well, the United States right now is rebelling. And like everyone, everyone has a role to play. And our role is to fuck shit up. And this is how we're going to do it. By resisting. How do we resist? Do we not pay taxes? Well, not yet. I mean, we could just not file. And then, then what? They'll come after us. But it'll be different later. So what do we do? What do we do? They want our money now. They want to take it away. They want to back it by themselves. They don't want to peg it against something. So all your decentralized cryptocurrencies goes to shit. So their idea is, okay, they're really resistant. Here's what we're going to do. Russia's really upset. We've created war. Ukraine is killing its own people. We're starving them. Everyone thinks it's Russia because we said so. Russia's like, I'm not doing anything. People just want to come over here. Uh, so start agreement. Talked about it many times. Nukes in the air, right? Nukes in the air. Nukes in the air. Where do you think they're going to drop that nuke? You know it's going to be in America. So then you have to look at where all these big corporations are moving to. What areas are they abandoning? And key number one. That's number one. Where they're not buying up land, where they are buying up land, where they are buying up land will be where they will create settlements. Think. 
But, you know, with Space Force up there, it's going to be very difficult for a nuke to drop. You see how that works? President Trump knew what they were going to do. It would be backup for if Russia dropped, apparently, a nuke on the United States. Because only when Babylon cries does the world cry. They cry for her goods. They cry for her spices and her goodies. Remember 9-11? The whole world cried. We told them to cry, and they all cried. I mean, how could you not cry? So many innocent people were taken out. They needed fear. They needed you to forfeit your rights to be safe. I mean, do you deserve freedom if you gave them up so quick? And now that's all we need, a nuke. And a nuke just enough to cause trouble in some area and then EMPs in other and have the need from the world organizations to come and help us, of course, <laughs> you know, for humanity and all. You see, this is how they're moving it along. And they're telling you. They're talking about it. They're not hiding it. Those are the rules of engagement. They're not hiding it. 40, in 1944, they planned on how to take everybody's money to rearrange the borders across the planet and force people into their system. And what they realized was while some smart person told them, give them the internet, which they already had, right? Give them the internet so we can enslave them. It's worked, kind of, right? We were all distracted, television, radio, because Hollywood was born then like crazy, right? Hollywood was insane at that time. It went from Shirley Temples and Charlie Chaplin's to, you know, dancing gals, movies, and TV. Boy. So one, they decided, let's distract them. Let's give them stuff. Two, let's create this uh, boomer mentality. Let's make a lot of them. Go, go, go. And then what we'll do is we'll tax them so they can have that great environment in these free schools. And yeah, and then we'll give them some rights too. Why not throw it in there? Let's throw it in there. In the meantime, we'll be creating these deals, right? Behind their back, like in 1957 between Argentina, Iran, and Russia and France to enrich uranium. Because, you know, that's what you do in the 50s. And then we'll go to the countries and the ones that are resistance will just annihilate them if they don't want to play and they will fit in the system. But oops, damn it. Why did we give these humans the Internet? Now they have access to information. Now we need to censor it. Shit. We can't censor it fast enough. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We got to change the game. We got to change the game. These people are smarter now because they have access to this information. Damn it. In just under 10 years, they get so smart. This is ridiculous. How do we get rid of them? Well, maybe we could try these vaccines. Damn it, that's not working either. Not fast enough. But it's teaching us a lot of things. Okay, that looks all right. They're not buying it. We have a problem in America, and they're leading the way. The whole world is watching America. We need to do something about them. We definitely do. I mean, we've been working on this plan for, you know, nearly 100 years. World War III was planned in July of 1944. In New Hampshire, in a hotel by 44 countries. This is where we are right now. Every single point on the map. That's why I said, read the article with Ukraine's going to be the Democrat Hiroshima. 
Literally. Not that Ukraine's going to go up in flames. Hmm. You see how that works? You see how they operate? They plan. Oh, boy. There's a lot of people that don't exist that have been planning as well at the parallel. So right now, you know, when President Trump decided, I'm not going to pay if you're not paying. I'm not going to do if you're not going to do. You know, they outed one of his appointees at the State Department for defunding a U.N. conglomerate. Yeah. Started calling her a bitch. And then she was mean and she was rude. And they made all this and they pushed her out. See, this is what they do. They'll do it to one person. They'll do it to two, but they'll roll you over. Hey, I was by myself. I got slammed hard with lawfare. So much shit that, you know, even now going into court with them, I won't be like, no one's even going to talk about it. No one's going to talk about it. Except for the people of North Dakota, they're going to have to pay me because of all that shit. Right. But how do they stop a whole population of people? They can't. We didn't start that fire, but damn, we're going to make that bitch roar to burn them up. And that is how it has to be. They are pushing hard and fast to take our money. And the way we do this is by impeaching Barack Hussein Obama. Yes, we can do it. They impeached Trump when he wasn't in office. Yes, we can do it. Impeach 44. Impeaching 44 would impeach the vice president, would impeach, and we would be able to reverse everything he did, and they would be stuck with nothing but maybe dropping a nuke and blaming Russia and saying that propagandists are not allowing us to see why it came at us when it's going to be our own people or, shall I say, allies. See, that's how it happens. See, all these things that have happened in the past few years were for a reason. The only way to wake people up is to piss them off, right? The only way to make you want to take part in your government is to piss you off. You know, because in New Orleans, when I was going around with the Hunter Biden laptop, they were like, I don't see politics. (laughs) I was like, and this is why we're in this position. Because people, people are too busy. I am too politics. That's like so divisive. It's like, yeah, well, you don't do politics. I'm going to tell you, you better get that Vaseline jar because politics is doing you. That's the way it is. And see, nobody puts these things together. They all start talking, oh, the World Economic Forum and Atlantic Council. And, 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 and. Dude, don't you get it? These are the same fuckers that were in New Hampshire at that hotel for 22 days hold up planning this whole shit out. Nixon had no idea that the, that the, uh, <laughs> that the advice that he got was one of the nails on the coffin. You see, that's how they operate. They give you little by little. It's on a need to know basis, but people who were there, maybe allegedly, who knows, can tell you different. This was well thought out. But unfortunately for them, you know, huh? the people are armed with knowledge. And no matter how much they try to silence, word always gets out. I mean, we've already started our local groups and those are growing. So they could take the Internet away. Heck, they could take our radio away. They could take everything away. But that will not stop what's coming. 
Now, while many people talk, well, I'm going to become a, you know, a, a sovereign citizen and I'm going to, you know what? No one's going to listen to you. The court will just throw you in jail because they want to, period. The goalposts have moved. You know, people need to wake up. Yes, it's on paper. Yes, there's common law. Yes, oh, yes to all of this shit. But I can tell you there will come a day. Well, someone may be locked up. Because the judge says, well, I'm pretty sure you did something, even though there's no evidence. I'm putting you in jail until we figure it out. Excuse me. When you see that happen. You're going to understand. Just where we are. Because while you claim your sovereign citizenship, it could be one person in a bucket. Let's say a thousand of you do it. Guarantee you all of you will be in a correctional facility together. Because they have moved the goalpost. That doesn't apply. They don't give a shit. I mean, here we're playing within their goalposts within the courts when we were going for the vax mandates and the mask mandates, and they were still pissing all over real law that they acknowledge, that they embrace. You think they're not going to piss all over common law (laughs) and tell you what? You think? Maybe for a handful of you sitting out in the woods somewhere, you know, off the grid. Okay. Amish, okay. But here's how it's really playing out. They're actually losing. They are desperate. They're constantly reminding people how evil Russia is and no one is buying it. No one is buying it. The people that are buying it are watching a movie. Movies we watch today look really realistic. I mean, have you been to Times Square lately? You've got... 3D images coming out of the wall and you think it's real. See, that's the thing. It's not. And a lot of these things that you watch are a movie. And this is where the CAA stepped in. Hollywood. They signed the deal. Countries jumped on to the treaties. They all agreed on the money. And then they created Hollywood. We need to distract them. We need people to take the the limelight and people they want to be like. We want to tell them, oh, look, you can be as glorious as me. But they never reach that standard. We can always have them trying to be them. And then because they look up to them, we can tell them what to tell them to do. You should do this. You should do this for the greater good, of course. That's how they operate. They tell you everything they do. But people really don't listen. People don't even read. And so right now, we have to thank God for President Trump that he did create Space Force. And they are very eclectic on who they hire. And right now, we have to thank God that we have all found each other, the people that you speak with and share information with. Please try to stay away from rabbit holes. Please Focus on things that you can fix now. I know we're all troubled by the trafficking. We're all troubled by the deaths. We're all troubled by, oh, you know, the sudden stillbirth um, IRS cut you get, you know, because if you got the vaccine and your baby got born dead, they should pay you for it, right? You were part of an experiment, so why not? The infanticide. And tomorrow we're going to talk about someone who was locked up that went against Planned Parenthood. We'll talk about it because they need our help. All those people do.
So all these things are really important, but what's more important is how we say no. What's more important is how we can action our items. Like for example, uh, in my state, they violated the law to keep me off the ballot and I couldn't challenge anyone in the primary. That's okay. I'll go straight to fucking November because that's the way you do it. You never give up. If you give up and say, oh, that's it. It's game over for you. That's where you lose when you stop trying. And right now, what we all are supposed to be doing is working together to find ways to keep them all on their toes. Because the next step that they're going to push is to criminalize speech against election fraud. You watch. It's coming. Now, with the Hunter Biden laptop, while everyone's telling you, Hunter, 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 man, this shit all leads back to Obama. Like I said, two things I wanted to do before I go. Clear my name and let people know that people like me do exist. And impeach that guy. Because he was the accelerant. This is why they didn't let Hillary go. He was the accelerant and he's been running the show all along. All along. And unfortunately for them, while they want to take people out, they want to shut people down, they don't know how many people like me are around. They don't know how many, what is it called? No such agency personnel have actually swung over to the people's side. The clue is in my YouTube video, right? The hashtag, it's in my YouTube video. That's a clue. Be surprised. That's a really big clue. You know what else? Here's another clue for those that like digging. I'm pretty sure that they used highlands or mineralized to jump the air gaps while getting into systems and to exploit printers. Guarantee you. I used to play. I used to play under Project Egotistical Giraffe. That's a real thing. We get creative. So while the news keep churning information about Hunter's laptop, what have I said from the get-go? It's about national security, and it gives you the keys to the damn kingdom on how they enrich themselves. You're seeing it on a lower level, you know, through his laptop. On a higher level today, you just saw how they do it. Because Chuck Grassley responded to that email and gave it all to you. He clearly said, you know what? Let me put it on the screen. He clearly said, you know, you should check it out. Um, what, how, how did he say it? He was like, um, let's see. Is this it? I'm opening it up. Hold on a second. Give me a second. Is this it? Recent. Nope, that's not it. Restore. Let's see. All right, there it is. All right, let's, how do I get rid of this? There we go. All right, let me make it, let me put it in the screen. Let me see how big it is. Let's make it bigger. That way you could see how they take your money to get the job done. So, 
As you can see, Chuck Grassley says, thank you for taking the kind time to contact me, blah, blah, blah. I appreciate hearing your concerns about how the funds appropriated in HR 133 have been spent. In your message, you specifically asked about the name of the international financial institution mentioned in HR 133, who is on its board of directors if the institution is regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission and if the institution is located in the United States. Well, today, Obviously, with this show, you found out majority of the it isn't in the United States. So let's keep going. With regards to the name, you may be interested to know that the bill actually states that the international financial institutions refers to the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, a.k.a. World Bank, the International Development Association, a project of the World Bank, the International Finance Corporation, which, again, is part of MEGA. We saw that in the video earlier, and that's part of the World Bank. Um, the Inter-American Development Bank, also part of the World Bank. The Asian Development Bank, also part of the World Bank, the Asian Development Fund, a fund within the World Bank, the International Fund for Agricultural Development, a fund within the World Bank, the European Bank of Reconstruction and Development, it is the European World Bank, and the African Development Bank, and the African Development Fund, all part of the World Bank, and then he clearly spells it out, the Multilateral Investment Guarantee Agency. So basically, all your tax dollars, that billion trillion dollars, went to the same place. That's not seven companies, that's two. Wait. Um, that's one. <laughs> it's actually one, because he didn't mention the IMF. Because remember, the IMF comes in to collect for everyone. Remember, MEGA, Multilateral Investment Guarantee Agency, is insurance. So they take your tax dollars to pay Joe Schmo, who is filthy rich with old money, when, you know, you know, uh, Equatorial Guinea doesn't successfully fix the roads. They pay him money and then they wait to get that money back from the IMF when they come in. So basically, we gave all our money to the World Bank. So interesting. Wait, there's more. Several of these institutions are not headquartered in the United States, but rather in the following countries. The International Fund for Agricultural Development is headquartered in Rome, Italy. The Asian Development Bank is located in Metro Manila, Philippines, and runs the Asian Development Fund. The European Bank for Reconstruction and Development is located in London, UK. The African Development Bank is located in Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire. That's the guy that was killed. And runs the African Development Fund. Some of these institutions do have offices in the U.S. Yeah, they do. Because the World Bank, which is called the um, Bank of Reconstruction and Development, is located in D.C. across the street from the IMF. So all these are offshoots of the World Bank because if you look up the African Development Bank, it will take you back to the World Bank's page. It's not complicated. Take a 40,000-foot view. The other institutions, namely World Bank, wait a minute, including the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, wait a minute, it's the same thing. The World Bank even calls itself the International Bank of Reconstruction and Development. 
and the International Development Association and the International Finance Corporation and the Multilateral Investment Guarantee Agency. So he named them all, which is the World Bank. So see, he says, namely the World Bank, which includes all those agencies and their offshoots in other countries. They're just branches. Okay. As well as the Inter-American Development Bank, which runs the Inter-American Investment Corporation, the International Monetary Fund, and the North American Development Bank are all headquartered in the United States. Can you guys see that? Like, this is where your CARES Act money went. So he sent links so you can look. Finally, you ask if the SEC regulates these. You may be interested to look into each institution's SEC filing. So you won't find anything for the World Bank, but you will find for the international um, reconstruction and development, but it's not really, you know, uh, how shall I say, supervised. <laughs> so this is why today's show is important. Because you need to start seeing exactly who has your money. Now, let me explain to you the role of BlackRock and other NGOs so I can make it clear because everyone thinks they're super villains. They are. They are. But see, a trillion dollars goes into the World Bank, the IMF, and then they give it out to all their branches. And at those branches in those countries or wherever, right? Uh, BlackRock is there and is the intermediary and gets that money. And because Mitt Romney's son has a fund, you know, they drop it in that fund. They're like, we'll take that bond, split it between these two, make them some money. There we go. Vanguard, same shit. They're just making money off of money they already stole from you. So they're just circulating it and washing it. Okay. It's a, it's a laundry machine. Okay. They have NGOs, they're uh, venture capitals, they're fund managers. I mean, George Soros made his money. Why have I been taking British money? He tanked the London Stock Exchange. See, the thing is, it's not that complicated. It's one big entity with a lot of little entities that have a lot of little entities and satellites around them are private companies that are washing the money and spinning it back to do exactly what they say. That's it. This is why they have all these capital funds. So the head of the snake is obvious. Okay. It's the UN who happened to move its headquarters to South Africa along with Interpol. Interesting. So interesting. So how do you take out the head? Well, it's quite simple. The United States says, fuck you, UN. We're not playing with you anymore. Thanks. Game over. That's all we have to do. And everyone else will follow suit. That is exactly what we need to do. But in order to do that, in order to do that, we have to stand up on our feet and remove these clowns that are literally giving our money away to these world organizations that do not serve us. You know, it's funny. Um, this morning, I was actually emailing. Hold on. Let me get my phone. I can read the email chain to you. Give me a second. I was chit-chatting with, um, where is it? God, so much spam. I'm tired of it. Like every time you unsubscribe from some stupid Republican thing, 20 more come. So they stopped talking to me after I pressed for actual information. But at 1253 AM last night, I sent them an email. 
And I said under your two U.S. code 115, the Open World Leadership Center. Oh, by the way, <laughs> that's a real thing that Congress created. Uh, establishing the legislative branch of government has 11 members that make up the board of trustees. I would like their names and positions, both private individuals and elected, which are comprised as follows. Two members of the House of Representatives are appointed by the Speaker of the House, Pelosi, one of whom shall be designated by the Majority Leader of the House of Representatives, and one of whom shall be designated by the Minority Leader of the House of Representatives. Next, two senators are appointed by the President pro tempore of the Senate one of whom shall be designated by the majority leader of the Senate and one of whom will be designated by the minority leader of the Senate. Then we'll also have the librarian of Congress. Then there will be four private individuals with interest in improving relations between the United States and eligible foreign states designated by the librarian of Congress. Didn't know that a librarian did all that shit. The chair of the subcommittee on legislative branch of the committee on appropriations of the House of Representatives and the chair of the subcommittee on legislative branch of committee on appropriations of the Senate. So those are the people. I said, please provide this information in a timely fashion and direct me where I can find the current board of trustees and the names of past board trustees. According to your site, only nine are listed and do not tell us who appointed who. Please clarify. Sincerely, taxpayer. Open World got back to me and said, please refer to our website for information about past trustees, which are listed on our annual reports. Great. Thank you for your response. Once again, I sent this email because online only nine names are shown, where by law there should be 11. Please advise. Kind of sounds like Congress hasn't been doing their job. Oh, these slots are vacant and need to be filled. Thank you. How long have they been empty? Those on the board. How do I find out who nominated them and under which protocol found in Article 2? Thank you. That's where the communication stopped. See, even if they try to fix it now, we can still file, which I will, a complaint to the House and Senate that they violated, and I quote, 2 U.S. Code 1151. Open leadership. So, you know, this is how you keep the fuckers on their toes. You're just like, you're not even doing your job. You need to not be there. Bye. You need to be disqualified. Bye. That's federal. Right. That's in 2 U.S. Code 1150. It's pretty easy. Now, while everyone's worried about Hunter Biden and what Durham's doing, we already know he's doing it. Can you just accept that? You don't need to look at it. Can you just accept that? That's all you have to do. Just accept that things are moving in the right direction. Right now, what you need to focus on is setting fucking more fires. They set a fire. Let's get the damn torches out. Let's go. And this is how you do it. This is how you do it. You find out where they have deficiencies and you go, go, go. I mean, that's it. You don't have to worry about your family. You don't have to worry about Durham doing his job. I mean, I think I've been on air with a couple people, even Patrick Byrne, and even with people that are decorated and they're in the know. I'm like, Durham's working. He's busy. They're like, are you sure? I don't know. Maybe he's like a myth. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, you know, it breaks my heart sometimes, <laughs> you know, that I feel sometimes when I go to the party. 
<laughs> and I'm talking with people, I'm the one with a fucking flamethrower and they're sitting there with little candles blowing them or, or kindling trying to make a fire. You know what I mean? So basically, let's use our pens as torches. Let's, let's smoke them out. This is the easiest one. If all of us file a complaint for Congress not doing their job, it's, it's like they can't stop us. And the lawsuits that we're going to file across all 50 states at the same time when the time comes, oh boy, that's going to be fun. See, this is how you do it. Remember in 2021, every single change you saw was because of you and the impeachment. That's going to happen because of us. Now, I want to say, even though it seems overwhelming and I've been in that position, oh boy, have I, every day I struggle. Every day I'm struggling, struggling to, to do life things just like you. I'm struggling to do life things. Like, you know, I've, I've literally have to pen in my showers and pee breaks that I will not do if I'm busy. I will hold it until I bust, even though it's like five feet away because I'm busy. So I get it. Right? I totally get it. We get overwhelmed with just little things in our life. Imagine something like this, where they're taking our money to fund the operations that enslave us, like with our money. I mean, it sounds crazy. It sounds immense. And I'm going to tell you what, it's a fucking Tuesday. You can eat that shit for lunch. The only thing we need is to band together. A united America is an unstoppable America unstoppable. We have to be able to unify and get to work. All of us, all of us are in that position where we're overwhelmed. Either we're working too hard or feeling like we're working too little, right? And we burn out and we don't, right? <laughs> but this is a time. This is our time. We now own the narrative. They don't own us. They can't stop it. No one's listening to the Jack Posobics and the losers that are yip-yapping. Right? They're listening to the people because you, the people, are the news. Stop going into rabbit holes. I just laid out the whole shit for you in the simplest way, I hope. It's 2 U.S. Code 1151. You know what? Congress literally made a group called the Open World Foundation thing. Like, in your face, we're working for the world, not you. So a divided America is poo. We do nothing. They've already put us in neat little boxes, gave us titles. They told us where we need to sit. They, know to, they told us how to be oppressed. They told us how to act, walk, talk, and obey. Right? And look at where we are now. Look at where we are now. Absolutely in the shitter. Right? We're eating dirt. And when you're on the floor eating dirt, and you can't go any lower. There's only one way, and that way is up. So we just need to stand up and just say no. It's kind of like the just say no drugs. It should be like the commercial. Wait, oh, let me find it. Hold on. You know that commercial with the this is your brain on drugs. Any questions? It should be like this is unelected officials with your federal tax money. Any questions? Hold on. I love that commercial. Commercial. There it is. Found it. Let's watch it. 
Because this is exactly how are you? This is your nation. This is your nation with unelected officials spending your federal tax dollars. Any questions? That's how it should be. We should change the commercial to that. Is there anyone out there who still isn't clear about what doing drugs does? Okay. Last time. This is your brain. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Okay. That echo, didn't it? I, I realized that. I, I'm trying to figure out how the buttons go. You know what? I'm going to fix this for you. But you know what? This is how we have to act. Okay, hold on. How many? There we go. So you know that commercial where it's like, how many licks does it get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, right? And this owl is like, you know, whatever. It takes like one, two, and crunch right? It doesn't even bother to lick it, right? It's like, yeah, I'm not licking it. I want the prize. So we got to decide, are we the owl that's just going to chomp on the lollipop or are we going to sit there and do the licks? Are we just going to sit there and lick it until it's done? Or are we going to take a bite out of it? Mr. Cal, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I don't know. I always end up biting. Ask Mr. Fox, for he's much cleverer than I. Mr. Fox, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Why don't you ask Mr. Turtle, for he's been around a lot longer than I. Me? (laughs) I'd bite. Mr. Turtle. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I never made it without biting. Ask Mr. Owl, for he is the wisest of us all. Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three. It's over 9,000! If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart owl. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie See, the owl was like one, two. I don't got the patience for this. I want to eat it. Let's go. So that's how we should be. When it's in conjunction to our nation's sovereignty, our personal domain, uh, sovereignty and domain, right? And how we're going to live. Why are we licking when we could just be chomping that shit off? And this is what we have to do. We have to keep putting the pressure on. And for those of you that found 2 U.S. code 1151, feel free to come up with ideas on how we can just put more fire to it. Do we file complaints? Do we do an ethics violation? Do we go to the OIG? Do we file a lawsuit? There are so many ways. We could do all of them. Why stop? It's just a complaint. We could do all of them. See, that's the thing. It costs you some time. And that time you invest is to make sure that your future is not the one they want, that it's not the one they control, that it's not the one under one global governance of people that are sitting behind doors with no name tags like they do in Europe. See, that was the experiment because they told you they've been experimenting since 
forever and a day in the 1800s and World War One, and then World War Two, where they brought in the European Union to check that experiment out. And that's where London said, fuck this. I'm going to be one of the leaders. This failed. This is stupid. We need to just bully all of these people. Let's just kill them off. We're tired of this. These insolent, insolent people. Force them to get passports. Force them to get vaccines. Force them to do this. Damn Americans, shut up. Just take it and shut up, right? Why don't you come and take it? Because that's not going to work in America. And we're going to be having our own union anyway. So we'll have standing going forward. And that isn't for now. See, the now, which is the next three years, has been taken care of to some extent. The one part that's missing is you, right? We can mitigate all we want. If the people don't wake up, it's not happening. So at this point, the only thing left is for us to action. And then when we have our union, that's going to help for after President Trump is called back home. And that's going to help your children and their children. And just so you know, all your letters, all your lawsuits, you guys have made history already your stickers. You've made history. How many people out there can say that? That your name is etched in history. Even with a failure, you're still in history. Because guess what? You tried. Because in the future, they'll say, oh my gosh, 50 states filed writs of mandamuses and they all massively failed. I think only Tennessee is outstanding. A few are outstanding still, right? But how would they not fail? They had taken hold of the judicial branch. They had taken hold of the legislative branch. They had taken hold of the executive branch. And yet they still fought when the odds were against them. That is what being scrappy and fighting for freedom looks like. That even when the stat, it's like impossible. And the only thing that makes it impossible is you saying it's impossible. You should see it as I'm possible. Right? I'm possible. They've been doing this for a long time. I mean, that old song, We Didn't Start the Fire, talking about politicians having weird sex, talking about all the stuff that are still plaguing us. So Delaware of Mandamus is still in the Supreme Court. That's super badass considering it's Delaware. Um, But again, we just need to find where they have deficiencies, where they failed. This banking thing. It hasn't, I'm still mulling over it. We're going to see how we're going to use that. (laughs) Because that's not benefiting us. That's benefiting other countries. Why the fuck do we care what other countries are doing? Oh, that's right. It's for the greater good. We should all care about everyone around the planet. Yeah, but they don't care. Because I want to see the receipts. I want to see the LGBTQ in Pakistan. Oh, speaking of which, before I forget. In one of the graphs I showed you that um, Greece, Ukraine, Pakistan and Portugal got most of the money. Now I want you just to kind of ponder on your own. How strategic those locations are considering what they want to implement. Think of it that way. And you know, it's pretty weird. I think I cut that out. But during that um, speech, that discussion that they were having at the World Summit, 
They said, you know, Putin was always on the outside and, you know, he didn't play along. He was like an outlier. Yeah. Fucking Putin all being a nationalist and giving a shit about his country. How dare he? <laughs> I'm just saying their time is up. I showed you behind the curtain so you can see how they do it. Now you know where the money's coming from. So now we just have to figure out how do we stop the cash cow and um, how we move from there. You know, again, don't focus on the things they want you to focus on. Focus on the things they don't want you to focus on. And that's pretty much what we're doing. So I have to say that with prayer, everything comes. I can tell you that I did a lot of praying in my time. And um, I'd like to show you the words to this song. It's one of my favorites. Why? Because it's a prayer without doing the chore of saying a prayer. It's a prayer that's being sung for you. It's a prayer that you don't even have to think about. You could just listen to. It's literally a prayer. God bless everyone. See you tomorrow. For the ways we've wandered from your heart Forgive us, we pray Forgive us, we pray For the idols we put on your throne For the loves we choose of your home. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us, we pray. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy on Thank you.